Hello, welcome back to Expand. Today we have a very special episode. I'm giving you a behind the scenes peek at a workshop I ran called Coaching with Conviction. In this workshop, I'm holding a room of coaches through the process of understanding a new language they can use with their clients around the really tricky, intangible aspects of change. We're traditionally trained to work with our clients in all the tangible pieces, right? The things that we can measure, prove, um, the things that we can tangibly see, feel, and experience. But there's this whole other aspect of change that needs to enter the conversation in a much bigger way where emotion is involved, where thought patterns are involved, where fears are involved, perceived limitations are, are involved. And I wanna give you a way to access what's really going on at this level with your people by giving you the words to use and the frameworks to use to guide these conversations. So in this first part, we're going to go through three of the four steps to having conversations like this. The first three steps have everything to do with the way that you are entering into this conversation, the way that you are building trust with your people to be able to open up avenues for vulnerability, for transparency, for real raw emotion to come to the surface. I want to explore your perceived role in this space. There's a lot of fear sometimes about stepping over into the therapy line. I want to tease this apart and put your mind at ease and invite you into this space in a really big way. And I, I would really love to explain to you the inner workings of your clients' minds and of your own mind so that you can understand when you're bumping up against friction, when you're feeling a bit of resistance, you know exactly what's going on and therefore you will know exactly how to navigate it. So I cannot wait for you to dig into this first part. There is a part two coming where I'm going to be walking through how to create breakthrough inside of one conversation with your clients. So stay tuned for that. But this absolutely is required to set the stage for breakthrough to even be possible. So pull out your notebooks. You're going to want to take some notes and let's jump right in. Hi, I'm Laura, host of Expand, the podcast for coaches who crave more fulfillment in the work that they do, more meaningful results in the clients they serve, and more confidence to rebel against the traditional boxes our coaching industry has placed us in so we can expand into the bigness of what we're truly capable of. When you're ready, let's jump right in. Hello, my loves. Hi, welcome. All of you waiting so patiently here for me. You're all incredible. Early and on time, I'm so impressed. Okay. I am so thrilled for us. This is going to be, you guys don't even know what's about to hit you. Okay, so many of you are in this room expecting me to give you a strategy, a list of questions, something really tangible to take and that you can use with some clients that maybe won't work with other clients. I know you're thinking that this is what you're going to get because this is what you typically get. This is what you typically get from mentors. This is what you typically get from certifications, from programs. That is not what I'm giving you today. What I'm giving you today 
is a few really big breakthroughs in how you're showing up as a coach. Your entire coaching career is going to change after this workshop. I have been waiting to create this for a really long time. It's been on my list of passion projects to put this out for you for months. And we're finally here. And I cannot wait to see what unfolds for all of you. When you all signed up, I asked you in the thank you page to let me know why you said yes to this, why you showed up. And not surprisingly, there were some really key core themes that popped up that probably doesn't shock many of you. A lot of the themes that popped up came back to feeling confident inside of the session with our clients, knowing that the process we're taking them through is getting them to the result that we want to get them to in the end. A lot of the themes that came up were how we're showing up in those sessions so that we can better serve, communicate with, and hold our clients through really sticky moments. So tricky conversations that we're not really prepared to have with our traditional certifications, right? A lot of you said um, you want to be able to have a deeper level of a conversation with your clients around the shit that really matters, the stuff that change is made of, right? How to talk to our clients about the intangibles of change that we don't really have language around as a coach. These are the conversations that we kind of all just figure out on our own as we go. So the first piece to all of this is understanding the role that our mind is playing in every coaching moment. Now, I just want to give a general overview of how our brains are actually working when we're coaching a client. Because our brains, our brains are so intelligent, you guys. Our brains are so, so good at taking what we're seeing in front of us and making it about us. Okay. This happens constantly inside of the work that we're doing with our clients. The way you'll know that this is happening is that when a client says something or does something and it triggers something in you and makes you feel frustrated or it makes you feel uncomfortable or it makes you feel excited, it makes you feel eager, it makes you feel like you wanna rush to that next step, what your brain is actually doing is witnessing what's going on with your client, internalizing that, linking that back to a past experience and spitting out an interpretation of what's going on so that it can make it about you. So anytime a client struggles or sees success, your brain, as smart as it is, is taking that and going, oh, you're a good coach because they succeeded. Or, oh, this is uncomfortable. I need to fix this as quickly as possible because that's going to be better for them and that's going to be better for me. Yeah? Have we all experienced this? The thing to know about this is your brain's never going to stop doing that. Okay? We can't stop that process from happening. That's hard wiring. Like, that is the role of your ego. It's always going to be in the room with you. But what we can do is begin to witness it, begin to create space around it, begin to separate our reaction to that interpretation from how we choose to respond in that moment instead. 
Okay. So when you catch yourself in moments like feeling like you need to fix a problem your clients come to you with, falling into teacher mode with a client, educating, right? We all do this as coaches. We're so good at that. You need to know this and you need to know this. And this is why this is going to work for you. We, we educate like crazy. We, we teach like crazy. When, we, when we're rushing to the end result, a lot of us accidentally do this, right? It's like, okay, if we can just get them over this hump and they see a little bit of progress, then they'll be bought in and they won't leave me. Then they'll be bought in and we can do the deeper work. So we push and we rush and we try and get them there all the while giving our ego a nice little hit of dopamine, but not really serving our client in the way that they need to be served. And we're gonna talk about that piece a whole lot in a little bit here. What's important to understand is that we're always operating from this place of bias. And if we aren't aware of the way that our brain is interpreting what's going on, and we aren't open to the idea that what we're interpreting is not really reality, then we're missing the information we need to be in, internalizing from our client that they're giving us so that we can actually understand their interpretation of what's going on. Because just like your brain is doing this, so is theirs. They're creating an interpretation of their reality constantly too. So when they're coming at you with excuses or problems or frustrations, or I wish the scale was going down faster, or this plan isn't working for me, or I just need you to hold me accountable more, or, 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 that's their brain interpreting their reality based on their past experiences too. So if we can stop making that interpretation mean something about you, we can look at it for what it really is and we can coach them through it. We can help them to see that the reason why they want more accountability is because they learned that when someone controls their life for them, then they're going to stick to the plan and they're going to get the result that they think that they want. Or that when they cut out all sugar, they're going to get the result that they think that they want because they're going to be in control then. Nothing's going to trigger them then. But these are all illusions, right? We know this. And that's why we get frustrated because our mind's making that mean something. Why don't they understand? Why aren't they listening to me? I've told them it's not about the scale. I've told them they can't cut out sugar. I've told them that we can't use quick fixes or they'll be right back where they want to, where they were before, where they started. So we're in this ego war, right? Our mind is protecting us and their mind is protecting them and we're not communicating. Nod your head if this is making sense, right? What's most important to understand is that when your mind is creating these interpretations, it's also affecting the way that you're communicating. And if we're not creating space around that interpretation and we're not allowing ourselves to look at it for what it really is and allow our ego, as I like to say, take a nap in the back seat so we can get back in the driver's seat, the way we speak is going to change in terms of our tonality. If we're in an elevated triggered state of frustration because we think that they're not listening to us, 
that they're not believing us and they're not doing what we suggest, that frustration is going to come through in our voice. It doesn't matter how good you think you are at hiding it. No one's that good. It's completely unconscious. It's also going to come through in your body language. I don't know about you, but when I get frustrated, I go like full red. I can't help. I can't help it. It just, boom, happens. So I can never hide it from my husband because he's like, okay, what's wrong? Because I'm like a fucking tomato. (laughs) So things happen in our body when we're feeling an emotion. When we get triggered and we're having an emotional somatic experience, our body reacts in some way. And even if we're not on camera with them, that physical reaction is amplifying the way that we're projecting the octaves that we're using in our voice. Okay. We also change the words that we use. We may be more blunt. We may be more sharp. We may be more direct. And when this happens, all we're doing is triggering the ego in our client to protect them more. That's why we often feel our clients pull away when we try and deliver them something that is at its core, really genuinely coming from a place of, I just really care about you. But on the surface, their egos interpreting your tonality shift and your body language shift and the sharpness in your voice and the shift in your words as a threat. And it's causing them to resist instead of to be receptive. Only way to bypass this is for you to become aware in the moment when your ego has been triggered and create distance. Set it aside. Thank you for protecting me. You don't need to be a part of this conversation. And come back into the driver's seat through the lens of what am I missing because I was so wrapped up in making this about me. What is their ego making this mean about them? How is their ego trying to protect them in this moment? What does their excuse really mean? What is their justification really telling me about where they're at? And you'll learn when someone starts to make excuses and to justify their behaviors around why they couldn't follow the plan or why it was too hard or whatever, It really just means that they're feeling judged. They're feeling unsafe and that they're looking for your validation. They're looking for something that they can sink their teeth into, sink their claws into and feel in control around. That's why they want the plan change. That's why they want the recipes. That's why they want more accountability because they think that that's the problem. But the real problem is the interpretation of what's going on and what they're making that mean about them. And we'll never be able to see that if we're caught up in our own stories. Yeah? You with me? Can we all reflect back on recent moments where this could have been happening? Keeping in mind this happens all the time in every facet of our life, not just as a coach. And in fact, when I'm teaching my students to begin to become aware of this, where I often like to encourage you to start is at home with your kids, with your significant other, 
how often do we get frustrated with our husbands or our significant others or our spouses or our partners around something that they said that they were going to do and then they didn't do it. Right. And now we internalize that as they didn't listen to me. They take me for granted. They expect me to do everything around here, right? Like our ego just grabs it and goes. What if none of that is true and they literally just forgot? So I encourage you to start to practice this in your personal life and carry it over into your coaching sessions. The more often you can practice witnessing your ego pipe up and creating space between reality and your ego's interpretation of reality, the easier and the faster it becomes. Recently, it happened with the recipe thing, Flo said. Yeah, totally, right? Yeah, that's a huge one. I used to get massively triggered when my clients would be like, you know, I think I just need like 15 more recipes. I'm like, oh my God, what am I here for? Like, I'm literally just going on blogs and copying and pasting into a Word document. Like, why can you not do this? And I'm just getting triggered because my interpretation is they don't value me more than someone who can just look up recipes for them. And they're interpreting it as, I just need something to make me feel in control. And I don't know how to do this myself because I've told myself I don't know how for years and years and years. It's so humbling to see the other side. Okay. Christine says, it feels like a lot like a practice in patience. Am I inter interpreting that, Laura? Yes, yes, yes. Patience, yes, with yourself and compassion with them and a recognition that when someone is triggering you, all that's happening is that you're witnessing in them something that needs to be witnessed in yourself. If you're getting frustrated with them for making an excuse around something or not doing something you said, most often the truth of it is that there's something inside of you that needs to be investigated further, but that's reflecting back to you. Okay. Shadow work, shadow work. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. 100%. Okay, does number one feel clear? Is everyone open to taking the space and the conscious effort to practice this? Keeping in mind that witnessing it is step one. And that's where I would encourage all of you to start this week. How often can you witness it happening? And instead of judging yourself for it, giggle about it because you didn't realize it was happening so often. Okay. Step two, cultivating an environment for trust. Actually, before I move on, I want to just add to that last piece. Witness your tonality shifts as well. Witness how your body changes. Witness the sharpness in your voice if you're feeling frustrated. Witness your somatic experience. Do you feel like a clenching in your gut? Do you feel a tightness in your neck? Do you feel weight on your chest? What's happening in you? Because it's that somatic experience that's actually your warning sign. And the better you get at witnessing your ego, the better you'll get at witnessing your physical reaction to what that person in front of you is triggering in you. And it's that physical reaction that you'll be able to see first before the ego grabs it and makes something out of it. 
Okay. Okay, beautiful. Is everyone clear on that? Yes. Wonderful. Okay. Step two, cultivating an environment for trust. So something weird happens when we accept money for a service as a coach. We unconsciously believe that because someone hired us, they must trust us. Why would they hire us if they didn't trust us? But trust is so much bigger than a transaction. There needs to be a certain level of trust in that initial transaction for someone to say yes. But you have to remember that that initial transaction is very deeply emotionally rooted for that person. And trust is something that is built over time. I don't need to sound cliche saying that, but it's very, very, very true. Little micro insertions of trust inside of many conversations over the entirety of your relationship is how we create a foundation for you to operate within where you don't feel like you need to prove yourself, where you don't feel like you need to rush a physical result to validate their investment in you where you feel like you can be fully transparent with your client without them running for the hills, where you can invite them into a conversation where there's, there's triggers and there's big emotions and there's tears and not feel rattled by it because you know you trust each other in that, in that room. I see so many of us gripping our clients because we don't want them to leave prematurely. We don't want them to fail because that's going to mean something about us. We don't want them to mess up or stumble because then we're going to have to pick up the pieces. And it's this gripping that's exhausting us. It's making us feel like we can't do this at scale. I work with so many students who come to me with rosters of like five to eight and they have no idea how they would be able to double that. This is how you double that and triple it and quadruple it by cultivating a deep rooted sense of trust right from the very beginning with our students. So let's talk about what that actually looks like. First off, when we have trust in us, when when we have our clients trust in us, I should say, we can allow progress to be slower because they're fully bought into the journey that we're taking them on and they believe that we will get them there. Okay, when we don't have that, that's when intangible work feels really hard to get buy-in around because it feels like we're always trying to convince them that just wait, this is going to pay off. Just wait, it will bring you physical results. We have to work on your mindset or it's never gonna last, da, 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 right? We're constantly trying to convince them of the, the work we're trying to get them to do beyond just sticking to a plan. On the flip side, we also take the pressure off of how quickly we need to get them physical results, or we allow ourselves the ability to talk to them openly about struggle when physical results are slow without them freaking the F out, <laughs> okay? 
how many of us kind of avoid talking about the fact that progress is slow sometimes because A, we don't have the words and B, if we talk about it, we're sort of worried that they're going to get pissed off and leave. I used to feel this way a lot. So if you've ever secretly felt this way, that's totally fine. It always brought up a lot of anxiety in me when my client wasn't progressing because I didn't really know I didn't really know how to tell them that it's okay because we're doing all these other great things without sounding like a hype woman, you know, like that doesn't feel good either. So the number one reason why we need to create trust with our client is so that we can take the pressure off of ourselves. There is so much pressure on us to perform, to generate a result, because that's where we perceive our value to lie. But when we create an environment of trust with our clients, where we're able to share with them what we're really wanting to offer them, which we're gonna talk about next, now we don't have to coach the scale down just to keep them as a client a little bit longer so we can hopefully have the opportunity to shift their mindset as well. Okay, the other element of trust is the trust that they feel with themselves. The most often reason why your client will work with you, see success, and then fall back into old patterns is simply because they don't trust themselves. They don't trust themselves around food. They don't trust themselves in different social situations. They don't trust their bodies and what their body is trying to tell them. They don't trust their emotions. They don't trust any of it because all that has ever gotten them is to a place of feeling unhappy, of feeling fearful, of feeling threatened, usually anchored back to some sort of traumatic experience, big or small. There's macro trauma and there's micro trauma, and we're not going to get into that today, but ultimately just understand that when someone doesn't trust themselves, it's because they have a whole bunch of evidence to tell them that they shouldn't. Yeah. So in order to ultimately coach a client through a journey that feels not rushed, grounded in something deeper than the physical, and get them to a place where they're not going to just fall back into old patterns, trust needs to be in the room firing on all cylinders. There's five steps to cultivate trust. Okay. These five steps happen at the very start of a coaching relationship, and they repeat themselves in every client interaction that you have with them. So be clear, this isn't a one and done thing. That's a mistake a lot of coaches make. Well, I had that conversation with them already, and they said they understood, and here we are again right? No, that's not it. Okay. We have to continue to practice these five steps over and over and over again. You guys ready with ready for them? Do you have a pen and paper? You can also watch the replay back if you need to. So the first one is pre-framing. If you take literally nothing else away from this workshop, this is it. Okay. You ready? When we pre-frame our client around what to expect working with us, and why that's meaningful for them, they aren't able to create their own interpretation of what that means. Now, when I say pre-framing, what I really mean is, what is the intangible journey that you wanna take them on? 
Are you even clear about that? If you're not, that's okay. That is totally okay. So many of us aren't, but please understand that if you don't really know what it is you want to guide your clients through intangibly, the shifts you want to make for them internally in their mind, in their emotional experience with themselves, with food, we're not going to get buy-in around it because you can't articulate it to them. Okay, so it's very important you get really honest with yourself and be okay in a place of non-judgment if you don't have that piece fully figured out yet. That's okay. It doesn't matter. You just need to know where you're starting. So pre-framing them is all about setting the stage for the journey you're actually going to take them on. This could sound very similar to something like, you know, Becky, I hear that you really want to lose 15 pounds. I'm with you on that. I think that's a really healthy weight or a goal weight for us to work towards together. Would it be okay with you if I shared with you another journey that I want to take you down in tandem with the physical? Great, Laura. Awesome. Da, 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 da. Amazing. Here's what this is going to look like. This is why this is going to be better than only focusing on the physical journey. And this is where you get to coach them around. If we don't shift your mindset around these particular patterns, you're only going to fall back into your old patterns when I'm not here holding you accountable. And we need to allow you, you the space to create trust around your emotional experience because it's your emotions that are driving you to eat and whatever that happens to be for her. Okay. And if, if you're feeling foggy on this step, that's okay. That's probably where trigger mapping comes in and we'll talk about it later, but understand the clarity on the journey you're taking them through in tandem with the physical is so entirely crucial and being able to articulate to them that it's not just about the physical, but also here's this whole other journey that's going to make that piece so much better. And that's the crucial aspect that so many coaches are afraid to say because we don't want to sound woo-woo, because we don't want to come off as a life coach or like someone who doesn't really know what they're doing or whatever, right? We, we're so afraid of talking into the intangibles because we can't like prove it's happening. There's no data for it. And we don't wanna enter into a conversation where we can't prove that we know what we're doing because then there's no value interpreted inside of that. We don't feel valuable if we can't prove we know what we're doing. So pre-framing is so, so crucial. Is everybody clear on the pre-frame? Does anybody do this right now? Good, Christine. Colleen's got it. Beautiful. Okay, amazing. Um, expectation setting is also crucial. Okay, so this is a part of the pre-frame, but it is a separate step. Because the pre-frame is essentially us sharing with them the journey that we're taking them on, building the bridge around why it's going to be better for them than simply focusing on the physical and taking their hand and walking across it. Expectations are pre-existing patterns, thoughts, beliefs, conditioned, mindset blocks, whatever you want to call it that's going to cause them to enter into the journey with a predetermined outcome in mind. 
and their expectations come from past experiences. They've maybe worked with a coach before who did mindset work with them and it didn't work out. Or they maybe took a mindset program or read a book and it didn't work for them. So they're entering into the relationship with an idea already about what that's going to mean or what that's going to look like. It's so important that we pull those expectations out of them and look at them with them. We just do this simply by asking them, what has your previous experience been working on your patterns? What has your previous experience been working on your mindset? What has your previous experience been speaking about your emotional experience? Yeah? And then from there, we get them to lay out what they've experienced and inside of that lies their expectations. Okay, their previous experience creates the expectations they have working with you. So if they previously worked with a mindset coach and they had them do gratitude journals and affirmations and whatnot, and you know that's not gonna work because that's not it, that's not, that's not gonna change anything. We know that their expectation is that's what you're going to give them. So call it out. Call it out. Talk to them about that. I know you think that this is what mindset work means, but this is what we're actually going to be doing. And those pieces don't come into play until much, much later down the road. Does that make sense to you? Do you have questions about that? Do you understand why? This is a part of the conversation right now and not gratitude journals and affirmations. And if you take it a step further, share with them why that stuff didn't work. And then we can blow out their beliefs, unconscious or conscious, that the mindset piece is a waste of time. Okay, the expectation piece is all about shifting their beliefs around what they think they know and inviting in a new conversation with them around what they don't know yet and what's in store for them. From there, we go into checking for meaning. This is the step that most people miss because it's really tricky to nail. Once we've pre-framed them and we've told them what to expect and we've laid all their expectations on the table and we've looked at them through a non-biased, non-egoic lens, that's crucial, right? The expectation piece is where your ego is going to kick in. So watch for it there. We have to move into meaning. When I say meaning, what I really mean is, why does what you're going to move them through benefit them and where they want to get to? Through their lens, you guys. They need to say it to you. They need to connect the dots. It is not good enough for you to tell them. This is why people think they have buy-in. And then when the scale doesn't go down and they freak out, we wonder what happened. If that happens, they're freaking out because the number's not going down, yet you had this conversation. They didn't attach meaning to why that internal journey is actually going to be beneficial for them. So here's what we do. Ready? There's this physical goal that they want, this external goal that they think is going to give them all the joy and the happiness in the world, right? Most of our clients still come to us with that expectation. It's wild. I can't believe it, but it still happens. They're so conditioned. Everybody is so 
so preconditioned. And then we've given them this other piece. Okay, great, we can get you there, but we're also gonna do this. And this is what's really gonna make a difference. This is what's really gonna get you there in a sustainable way. Beautiful, now we have these two pieces, but they're not speaking to each other yet. They want this, they hear you when you say that, they believe you somewhat, they don't understand how they're linked. The meaning piece is linking them. Okay, the meaning piece is linking them. So how is the internal stuff that you're gonna guide them through, your unique process, going to get them to their physical goals either more effectively, faster, or more profoundly in terms of the result that you're going to give them goes beyond anything that they even imagined. The way that I like to do this is I usually use hypothetical conversation. So I basically just say, you know, imagine you get to this physical result and we don't do any of the internal stuff. How are we feeling in your life? What's changed? What's going on? What's different? Where are you at? Right? And then come back to the, the intangible stuff. Let's say we start layering some of this in. We start looking at your underlying patterns. We start stripping away some of your triggers. We start looking at the emotional experience you're having when things in your life aren't going the way that you expect. And we shift all of that. And then we get you to your physical result. Now, how do you feel? Is it possible in scenario one, you're still getting triggered? Is it possible in scenario one, you're still feeling emotions you don't know what to do with? Is it possible in scenario one that you don't have the tools to navigate when things aren't going the way that you want in your life? Is it possible in scenario one that you will still wanna use food to cope when you're emotional or upset or you don't know how to deal with heavy shit? What about in scenario two? If we've dissolved those triggers, if we've looked at your emotions, if we've created normalcy around struggle, if we have a new dialogue to use with ourselves around when things aren't going the way that we want and we have tools to use to navigate through that, now what happens? What are the chances that you're gonna backslide? Right, so just simply by painting that picture and showing them with and without the mindset piece, we can bridge that gap and we can walk them across the bridge and we can get them fully bought in. And then at the end of that, always asking them, how is that meaningful for you? What does that really mean to you when I say internal work? What does that really mean to you when I talk to you about patterns? I wanna know what their level of understanding is. I wanna know what level they're on after we've had this conversation. We can't just say all this to them and leave it. Right? Like we can't. We need to know where they're at. So often, especially our people pleasers, I'll be like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, Laura. And inside they're freaking out because they're like, I don't know if it sounds good. I don't know what the fuck that means, but okay. Let's do it. Let's change. Let's change my life. And then shit gets rocky and they pull away because their ego kicks on to protect them. So when we attach meaning, we're essentially creating evidence for our ego to latch onto, for our log logical mind to make sense of, 
when things get shaky, when things don't go according to plan, when their progress isn't as fast as we want it to be, we can remind them of this conversation. We can anchor back into beautiful, you're struggling. Remember when we talked about why this is so potently powerful to getting you where you want to be in your life and how this is just practice for the rest of your life. Now we get to swim around in struggle. Now we get to have fun there. We don't have to immediately fix it and run away from it because it's meaningful to them. They're here for it. It sucks. They don't like it, but they're not running away from it. And that's the key. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed what you heard and you want more, I'd love if you'd subscribe to my show wherever you get your podcasts. Good karma points for also leaving a review while you're at it. And lastly, if you're looking to dive even deeper, you'll find a ton of free workshops, mini trainings, and the details on my mentorship program, Trigger Mapping, over at laurapobrin.com. See you next time.